0: All right, week 4.5. Shooting the shield. John Reed, Corey Gunkel. Gotta say, Corey Gunkel, this was one of the most boring NFL weekends I can remember. But it's in the books, and we are on to week five. What were your big takeaways? Yeah,
1: it was pretty boring. I think the biggest takeaway from this weekend, you know, wasn't. Wasn't even on the field. It was the firing of GM and head coach Bill O'Brien from the Houston Texans. You, you got to say it's about time at this point, considering the horrendous job he's done as a GM. And um, I guess I would pose a question back to you. I mean, is this the end of the like GM head coach combo? Because if you look at Bill O'Brien and his seven years in Houston, I mean, he only had one losing record that entire time. One four in AFC South titles. Back-to-back, double-digit wins. They make the playoffs. But, awful, awful GM, and it cost him his job.
0: Well, a couple things. I thought either it was, you know, uh, let's see, either 10 months too late to fire him. Yes. Or... A year or two too early to fire him. Like I, I thought right now is the worst possible timing. Like you gave him this power, you let him trade all your assets or trade a bunch of your assets for Laramie Tunsil. You allowed him to go out and do they trade for Brandon Cooks too? I mean, I feel like they made a couple of trades. You allowed them to then trade DeAndre Hopkins, you know, your best player, if not your, you know, if not your second best player. And I feel like if you're going to do that and give him this power to trade DeAndre Hopkins, you kind of got to rot it out, and they didn't rot it out. So like now they're just here in this purgatory where they have no assets and have maybe one good player, yeah, and Deshaun Watson. So like I thought either they should have fired him after they lost a 24 nothing lead to the Chiefs, which in hindsight he probably would have gotten fired if they just would have lost to Buffalo, like they should have lost to Buffalo. But instead, the the Bills and Josh Allen blow that lead, and that gives Bill O'Brien more power somehow. Yeah, totally bizarre. And as far as like the GM power, I mean, like yeah, like Bill O'Brien, the head coach. I don't think he was good, despite the vision. The, the, it, despite the division championships, I think that was more about like the other teams in that division, like the Titans and and Colts, kind of uh, allowing the Texans to do that, kind of choking away. But Bill O'Brien, the coach, was a winning coach. He didn't do much in the playoffs, but, you know, won a couple games, was up 24-0 against the Chiefs, riding high whenever they thought the Super Bowl was getting ready to run through Houston, or at least the AFC was getting ready to run through Houston. When they're up 24-0, and like, wow, the Titans are getting ready to come here. We're getting ready to host the AFC championship game. And then it all went downhill, and they never won another game. But as far as, like, the GM thing goes, like, that should have been gone for a while. Like, And honestly, like Bill, o, uh, Bill O'Brien was a victim of his own success in the sense that he kept getting more power and then you know, ruined his team. But like, I don't feel like Bill Belichick is a very good GM either. And he gets to do that, but he gets to rely on like, hey, I have championship rings. Because if you look at some of the moves he's made, we already talked a couple weeks ago about drafting Sonny Michelle and drafting uh, Nikhil Harry whenever you could have had better wide receivers. Or Lamar Jackson, like both those things, trading a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu last year for no reason. Yeah, who can't even survive on the ravaged Niners roster? Not being able to draft a wide receiver. You know, some of the defensive backs he's drafted from Rutgers. He went on a real tear of Rutgers uh, uh, draft picks, and you know some of those guys didn't pan out. But the head coach is so brilliant that the GM gets to live and keep that power. You know, you cross-court comparison, cross-sport comparison, I guess I should say. But, like, look at what happened with Doc Rivers and the Clippers. Like, Doc Rivers, the GM, made life tough for Doc Rivers, the head coach, for a while. And then the Clippers, like, okay, we're firing you from that position. We'll let you keep coaching, but you can't call the shots anymore with the roster. And, you know, that kind of will end that. Stan Van Gundy sucking at doing that in Detroit will kind of ruin that for him. I just think across all sports, like, we're not going to give these guys power to do that unless you are Bill Belichick and can just coach above your roster. And most guys can't do that. Totally agree. Because and why
1: wouldn't you want somebody else to blame? I mean, like if you're gonna do both, there's no the buck has to stop there. If I'm Bill O'Brien and I can just look at it, my GM and say, "Well, he's the guy that traded you, DeAndre Hopkins." Have you seen what DeAndre Hopkins does on a field? He traded him away. We don't have two first round picks anymore because of this asshole. But you can't say that because you're the idiot that did it. So it takes away any. Type of plausible deniability you would even have if you were a bad coach
0: well with bill o'brien they fumbled everything like they had that moment where they were trying to get like the were they trying to hire somebody from the patriots and then got caught cheating basically like they got caught messing up the 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 chain of command or they didn't get permission so they weren't allowed to hire him and it was just like a you know just a whole disaster but with bill o'brien like you know The thing was, he wasn't a good enough coach to do that because he was kind of like on the hot seat last year. Yeah. And so if you're him, you're like, you know what? If I'm going to go down, I want to go down doing what I want to do. And I don't like DeAndre Hopkins. And we can get some of these assets back that we traded for Laramie Tunsil. And we can reset this. And, you know, I'm so good, we will make it happen. And I'll go out and get old-ass Randall Cobb. And I'll go out and get old-ass, concussion-ass Brandon Cooks, you know, who's one hit away from having to retire – and I'll, you know, combine that with uh small guy, Kenny Stills, and always hurt Will Fuller, and I'll make it work. Problem was, they couldn't make it work. And also, it seems like and it seems like his team hated him, too. Like, it seems like he's just a real dick, as well, which makes it worse. Like, there was nobody in Houston being like, oh, man, love you, coach. I and mean, if there was, I missed it. Like, I, the only thing I saw was DeAndre Hopkins saying, I'll never wish ill on no man. Basically, like, I'm not going to dance on his grave. But I didn't see Deshaun Watson thanking Bill O'Brien for everything he's done for him. I didn't see J.J. Watt saying, I'm going to miss you, coach. If they did, maybe I didn't see it. But uh, I think, you know, Bill O'Brien, tough to get along with. Not smart. Not as smart as he thinks he is. And that's a, always a big problem, right? Like, self-awareness is key. And it seemed like Bob lacked a lot of self-awareness.
1: Oh, yeah. And, like, to your point, your boy Taylor Luan, I mean, he tweeted out. He was like, I'm happy for Texans players I know because they all hated him. Like when your division rival is saying that, when you think about it, so you're 0-4, you don't have a head coach, and the current roster you have, which isn't very good, and in which you just saw your best player leave, and they lost to Jadavian Clowney, and they don't have two first-round picks, and they lost future pick down the line, that entire roster cost $255 bucks. It's the most expensive roster in the NFL, and they haven't won a game. So they are in a horrible spot, and if I'm a, a potential NFL head coach, which I probably should be, uh, I wouldn't want to touch that job with a ten foot pole. I wouldn't want to go
0: well, anywhere near. Well, the problem, Corey, is like if I'm a, to me, it's going to be fascinating to watch because what do they do at head coach? What do they do at GM? To me, those should be two completely different things. Like the GM, if I if I'm an up and coming GM. And the Houston Texans called me, and I had a good standing, right? Like, people thought I was smart, and like, it's not like this is just them giving me an opportunity that I wouldn't get, you know, a couple years down the line somewhere else. If I was that GM, I would tell the Houston Texans, like, okay, I'll come GM, but I need a five or six year contract. I need control of the roster, and I need to be able to do what I want, which is I need to get us some assets. I'm trading to Sean Watson. I'm trading any other good players we have, and I'm bottoming out. Like I am just going to do what the Miami Dolphins did, and I'm going to sell my parts off because paying Deshaun Watson $40 million is not going to do this team any good right now because they suck everywhere else. But if I'm a head coach, I'm like, hey, I want to build it around Deshaun Watson. I want to try to win now. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, right? like That's the big coordinator everyone wants. Like, if I am him, I'm not coming to coach there. If you're not, if Deshaun Watson isn't going to be there, like if I'm a good coordinator or somebody with uh, you know good prospects, I need to feel like we're going to try to win now. I don't want to go there and waste three years rebuilding. But the GM should be completely doing that. They should be going the Miami Dolphins route because the Dolphins are set up pretty well. Ironically enough, they have the Texans' first round pick and second round pick this year that should both be top five in each respective round. The Texans are screwed.
1: They are absolutely screwed.
0: They're old with no assets other than Deshaun Watson. Like, he's really the only player that anyone would really covet on that team. Like, I guess someone would be willing to buy Laramie Tunsil, but you're not going to get what you paid for him in terms of the draft picks, and you're not going to, like, be able to get anything of real significant value. And both
1: of these guys that we're talking about, they just signed a long-term deals. So they've already committed to these people that they now have to turn around after all that and try to sell off because you're exactly right. You cannot uh, try to get disparate pieces and try to piece together something with this roster. It's awful. You're going to have to just do exactly what the Miami Dolphins is, eat it for two years, and then uh, become competitive again and try to build back with uh, a young quarterback and, and building those pieces. But... I just, like you said, I, I don't see how you do it because, the, yeah, if you're a young up-and-coming head coach who wants to win now, you're going to be battling a GM who's going to be selling the parts off for next to nothing because you don't have any draft capital. You have no hope. So the Texans, I, I mean, that they are absolutely screwed at this point, I think.
0: You would just have to find someone in love with Deshaun Watson. And I feel like the longer we have gone here, the less people love Deshaun Watson. Like, I mean, I think everyone thinks Deshaun Watson's good. But for me, he's more like seven, eight, nine, or ten in the league versus, you know, this time last year, people trying to convince you he was on the par with Lamar right behind Mahomes. To me, like now, like he's closer to like Josh Allen. Like to me, if you were like Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson, who would you rather have? I don't know what the answer is. I'm not saying I would rather have Josh Allen. I'm just saying I have to stop and think about it.
1: Totally true. Totally true. He's definitely in that tier below. Uh,
0: the Lamars and and the Mahomeses and the Russell Wilsons. He's below collar for me, like in terms of young quarterbacks. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. And if you ask me like right now, would I rather have him or Joe Burrow? Like, I, I kind of like what I see from Burrow. Like, uh, that might be a complete overreaction. I've just never really gotten it with Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a hater because he's in the Titans division. But like, it's just never clicked with me with him. I've always thought he's a little overrated.
1: Yeah, I think he's really good. I just don't think he's great. And and he's not, I mean, like you said, is he worth it if you have the pieces around your team? Like, would you trade for him if, like, Drew Brees retires? Yeah, absolutely. That, that Saints team with Deshaun Watson's great. That Texans team with Deshaun Watson isn't. And I think that's the difference. And I didn't even mean to be, like, homerific with that. It's just, like, an example of, like, I think he can be a really good quarterback on a deep team, but he's not going to be the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land. I think we've seen that. Maybe there's time. I mean, he's still fairly young, but I think we've seen enough from him to know that he isn't going to will you into anything. He's going to help you get there, and you're going to have to build around it.
0: I mean, he can can help you win a division. Sure. He can will you to the division. He's done that in Houston, but again, the division was weak, and they get there and lose in the playoffs. And if that's your goal, like, Deshaun can do that. But I will say, like I don't, I didn't take it as homerific, Corey. I took it as like that's a logical landing spot. You know, if you're Sean Payton, like hey, go get me Deshaun Watson. If you're, if you're Bill Belichick and this Cam Newton experiment goes sideways, go get a Deshaun Watson. If you're John Gruden in Las Vegas, go get you a Deshaun Watson. Like no, that's not homerific. There will be some teams like Jacksonville even that will look and say we should go get this guy. Tampa Bay should go and get Deshaun Watson. Like there are a lot of teams that should go try to trade for him, in my opinion
1: totally. Yeah. I think he's going to be a hot commodity if they do try to sell him. Uh, and it's just going to be up to what the next head coach does, but we have no clue because one, like you said, if I'm a, a hot up and comer, if I am Eric B or somebody like that, I don't want that job. I mean, there's going to be better jobs opening than that. Um, and, and I, I'm going to be at odds with the GM who's probably going to do a fire sale. So yeah, tough spot for the Texans. Great spot. If you're the Tennessee Titans, because now, uh, you're the leaders of the division, and things were looking pretty good, other than the fact that you tried to ruin football.
0: Colts look pretty good. I'm a little worried about the Colts, but uh, I want to see them play. Like a, I want to see them play a real team first. But I will say, like if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I would rather be like in Atlanta after they fired Dan Quinn, and it's crazy to say, and I fully mean this, and this is how bad of a situation I feel like the Houston Texans are. I would rather be in New York coaching the Jets after Adam Gase is fired.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd wish coaching the Jets on anybody, but I mean, it
0: makes sense because at least there, you're going to be given complete control. Well, not only that, but I'm just saying like uh, you might get Trevor Lawrence. Like, you have zero chance of getting Trevor Lawrence in Houston. Like, that's not happening. And, like, Deshaun Watson maybe is better than Trevor Lawrence. Like, maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be worth it. But, like, I would rather take my chances with a young quarterback that's cheap because we know that's the biggest – that's the best commodity in football is, like, cheap – Quarterback play. Like, there's no coincidence the Chiefs take over the league while Patrick Mahomes is on a rookie deal. The same as, like, the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson. Like, it's easy to win while your quarterback is cheap. Same as the Rams and Jared Goff. Like, it's just happened. Nick Foles and Carson Wentz were cheap when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I would rather take my chances, roll the dice with a cheap quarterback, than be paying Deshaun Watson $40 million as I try to figure out the roster around him. So, yeah, I would rather be in New York coaching the Jets. And to me, that's the biggest indictment I can make about the situation that the Houston Texans find themselves in. Oh, God, yes. I mean... And I hear the pot shot. I know you want to talk about, you think the Titans ruined the NFL. That's fine. Uh, I would make the argument that maybe we saved the NFL. Now everyone will take it much more seriously and they'll stri- <laughs> they'll, they'll batten down this protocol and the Titans, you know, having to d- delay a game a week will save the league. Much like Rudy Gobert saved many lives whenever he got the Rona in the NBA.
1: Well, I'm hoping now at least uh, Vrabel will take a look at you know stopping practicing in the White House Rose Garden, which I thought was a little odd. So, uh, yeah, maybe they did say don't try to make Mike Vrabel <laughs> Maga Vrabel. Don't do that to me. <laughs> uh, I will say this though: I think the NFL COVID protocols. I mean, I think. Sean Payton said it best like nobody cares like nobody gives a shit that like something happens that's unfair to you because you're in the entertainment business and everyone's going through something right now and your job is to make people happy on Sunday or Monday so uh, nobody really gives a shit but I think it's hysterical that if you have an outbreak of like 10 to 20 players you can have an extra week to get rest You can have your games rescheduled. You can have other teams' games in the future rescheduled. But if you have like one isolated incident, you got to take two separate planes and get Brian Hoyer's ass up there to play the reigning Super Bowl champions.
0: (laughs) The Patriots made a mistake by not having enough people get sick.
1: Yeah, you got to, at that point, you got to take like the six healthiest guys and be like, look, we're going to need you to do something for us. Because. (laughs) We're not starting Brian Hoyer in this game.
0: It's not happening. Just throw some offensive linemen out there because it's very feasible that Cam Newton has been around his offensive linemen. Just get a couple offensive linemen sick. The ball boy who gives the balls to him. Yeah. Yeah, just
1: fake it because I I was laughing so hard about that. But when I saw they were like, well, we're going to take two planes, one with Cam Newton and a couple people that might have been around him. And God forbid if you didn't have it and you were riding on that plane – and you were just as a contact tracing, uh, you know, scenario, isolation scenario. And they're like, all right, suit up. Let's do it. I mean, it was the same with the Saints. Like they had the false positive on Saturday night. They got the result back at like 1045 p.m. And they had the entire, they had Camara and the fullback, who was the false positive, And a, the entire running backs room up till 5 a.m. that day that they played the game, waiting to see if they had COVID and had given it to the entire team. So, I mean, it was only a matter of time for something like this happen. I just think it's pretty hysterical that if you take care of it, uh, the NFL's reward to you is to just start your backup quarterback against the defending Super Bowl champs.
0: And it's, uh, you know, I actually thought, Corey, that the Saints got unlucky by not having the Rona because they had so many injured players, it seemed like. And I was like, man, this is uh, bad. Because, you know, Michael Thomas is out. Marshawn Lattimore's out. Was Janoris Jenkins out? Like, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like six starters are six out. Six starters. And then they fall behind 14 nothing early to the Lions. And I'm like, man, they should have just got the Rona. That way they could have canceled the game and, you know, got healthy. Because there was a little bit of that with the Titans. Like, Adoree Jackson was hurt. A.J. Brown's hurt. And now those guys should be healthy and ready to go. However, like, uh, I am nervous about who will actually even be allowed to play this week if the Titans do get to play the Bills. Because, like, Jeffrey Simmons... Was in protocol. He was in the COVID protocol. Christian uh, Fulton, our second round pick, who was you know playing some important reps at cornerback, he's sick. So I was kind of kind of nervous, and I wouldn't actually even be opposed if the NFL just made us forfeit. I wouldn't even complain that much. So that that might be a terrible take. That might be a uh, a statement that makes me seem scared or whatever. But another bye week, get all the way healthy. You're three and one. Buffalo is pretty good anyways. Like, it's not like you're guaranteed a win if you play Buffalo. Like, you will probably lose if you can't play with Jeffrey Simmons and Christian Fulton. Like, you're not going to beat that team if you're still banged up. I would just be like, you know what, forfeit, that's fine. Then I can just, uh, you know, shake the haters off that are waiting for this first, first Titans loss. They are waiting for the Titans to lose, to come and bombard me. And if I could just say, well, I'll, we had to forfeit, does not count? That might actually help me in my arguments a little bit.
1: Well, that absolutely helps you, and I think it's it helps the Titans. I think the Knicks will get mad at that, but, like, I mean, Goodell said it in the memo today that they sent out league-wide that, you know, it's going to be on the table. I doubt they're going to do that, not because of the NFL, but I think the the ESPN, like, and CBS, the TV network rights people are going to – would probably kill Goodell if he tried to do something like that. They're going to play these games no matter what. Because, like I said, Cam- Alvin Kamara was up till like, 3 a.m., waiting to after flying in a plane from New Orleans to Detroit, uh, and the entire running backs room is up till 3, 4, 5 a.m. waiting on these results. And then a couple hours later has to go out and get smoked and hit a bunch of times. So they don't, I mean, they don't really care about player safety as much as they do optics anyway, but, uh, I think they're going to play the games no matter what. Because the TV rights people would go absolutely batshit insane if they don't. But I'm with you. I think it helps. And if the Titans' first loss is a forfeit, then you can just flip the haters off even more and say, well, we, we didn't lose on the field. We just we lost on the scoreboard.
0: Well, not only that, Corey, but they could also play games with eight or ten normal players out and just play some of practice squad players, and people would still watch. For God's sake, people watch the Dolphins and Jaguars and people watch the Broncos and Jets on Thursday night football. So you could put replacement <laughs> players in and the NFL wouldn't miss much of a beat for one week.
1: No, 100% agree. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think that's what they would end up doing. I mean, if, they, if 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 half the teams got ravaged by it, they would be pulling, they would be plucking people off the street like it was a strikey or something to go put a helmet on and play. And the attendance probably wouldn't go down.
0: Shout out Shane Falco.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I meant viewership, not attendance. But there are some, some, some places that have attendance. But yeah, yeah, they just throw people up there because it's all about people are going to watch football no matter what. It doesn't matter if the NBA finals are going on. First take is going to lead with football, and you're going to watch it on Sunday, and that's the thing you're going to want to read about this week. So I mean, yeah, that's totally what's going to happen. And speaking, I will. I do just want to bring this up very quickly. Um, speaking of haters and speaking of making them mad, Drew Brees is back. The Saints stay up all night taking COVID tests. You're down six starters. You lose another one in the game, your right tackle, who's playing fantastic football. And Drew Brees goes out and plays a Drew Brees game. 76% completion percentage. Tosses a couple touchdowns. I think his average passing yardage was 10. Uh, and, um, yeah, it turns out that uh, his average depth of touchdowns is 13.7 yards now. So I think uh, the even to myself, I think the rest in peace was premature because he looks exactly how he did the past three or four years. And John, just to get real deep for a second... You saw exactly how it opens up the Saints. The Lions are stink. Their defense is awful. So I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like this is some revelation because the Lions stink. But you saw exactly what happens when Drew Brees is good, and they can open up the offense in the air. You see the defenses that play the Saints cover scared, and they on second and four, second and five. You've got six people in the box. And you can check out of the play, run an inside zone handoff to Alvin Kamara, and he'll rip off a 20-yard run every time if you only have five or six people in the box. So, Drew Brees, not
0: dead. I retract my wash statement from week two. I just want to point out it was a six-point win against the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia. That's all I want to say to that. Six point win, Matt Patricia.
1: Right. But, but, and I and all I want to say, all I want to say is you go out. You are I mean, everyone has considered you dead on arrival. Then you stay up all night taking COVID tests. Then you go out and you go down fourteen nothing in the first five minutes. It was the first
0: five minutes. You're two and you're you're two and two, okay? You're two and two. Just relax yeah. a little bit. So two and two. Got
1: the Chargers on Monday night football. And uh they'll be three and two after that, and then you gotta buy.
0: Do it against the Chargers defense, and then I'll be impressed.
1: And I think they will because, like I said, and this is all without the best receiver in football, mind you. So we don't have to mention who will probably be back, hopefully, for that game, which makes it even tougher. Uh, because, like I said, Drew Brees doesn't have to be Josh Allen and throw a 60-yard bomb for that offense to be successful, as we've seen. All he has to do is not be scared to throw the ball over five yards which he was in the first two or three weeks, and how much of that was the fact that they had no reps, no preseason reps or camp at all, and how much of that is because he's old. Um, and I think we're starting to see that maybe he just needed to knock a little bit of rust off because while he is still old and still can't throw a very deep ball, um, it doesn't matter as long as he can hit those 20, 10 to 20-yard throws that he was dropping dimes in against the Lions on Sunday. So that's all I want to say.
0: Big win for the uh, Saints fans, at least, in the Michael Thomas-Julio Jones argument, though. I will say that. Not that Michael Thomas has looked great either, but like uh, Julio, a little worried about Julio.
1: Oh, yeah. He looks bad, and he's hurt, and um, I've said it on this podcast before, but I will say it again. Just for people who want to continue that argument, last year, Julio Jones had the same amount of receiving touchdowns as Taysom Hill. So... That's all you need to know. Michael Thomas, Offensive Player of the Year. Julio Jones, same amount of touchdowns receiving as Taysom Hill.
0: Well, when you put it that way. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I will say Drew Brees looked good, as did Tom Brady. I was convinced both of them were had one foot in the grave. I'm not saying it's, they're back, but they at least had a good week together. Brees and Brady uh, don't look dead just yet. Although Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater... He's thriving. Maybe Teddy B is the best quarterback in that division. It's yet to be seen. But uh, anything in week five you're looking forward to right now? Anything uh, Anything that's caught your attention?
1: No, I mean, game-wise, not particularly. I am very interested to see what happens with, uh, with COVID testing and to see if anybody else's games are going to be affected by this. Um, because as we've seen, I mean, it can make a big difference. The Patriots are in that game, if especially if Cam Newton's playing. I mean, they, you know, you hold the Chiefs to six points, uh, and you're still down at half. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes moving forward. I am also not even to be a homer to the people on this podcast, but I really hope Bills Titans is played because I want to see that game. I think that's a show-me-something game. Uh, that's like the cliche, let's-see-who-these-two-teams-are game, and I'm really, really looking forward to that.
0: It's definitely a show-me game for Buffalo. Uh, if the Titans lose, please note it's because we have the Rona. But if the Titans win, please note that it's because we are gutsy and we make no excuses and we have the ultimate next-man-up mentality. But if Buffalo wins, it's because we have the Rona. Please note that. It's much more important for Buffalo than it is for us. Please make that note, please. Please let it reflect that. But yeah, other than that, like, I mean, Bucks bears on Thursday night is actually one of the best games of the weekend, which is kind of sad. But uh, I do want to see Tom Brady on short week and how that body responds, if whether or not Chris Godwin plays and how they look. I was so embarrassed. I came on this podcast and said I feel like the Bucks might be sneakily my team to come out of the NFC. And then Brady looked immediately washed, and they were getting their ass kicked by the Chargers. Although they did bounce back and get a kind of impressive win, so I want to see how they look on a short week against the Bears. Outside of that, not a lot of great games. Burrow gets his first taste of the Ravens. That'll be at least a little intriguing. And uh, maybe the Cowboys can eventually win a game as they get the Giants and can maybe claw their way back into first place. But uh, week week four wasn't very good. Week five doesn't look very appealing just on the docket. But it is the NFL, and it is the king, and we will watch. Corey? Uh, appreciate your time. We'll do it again next week. Any closing thoughts that you have? Nothing at all. Who that John? See you next week. Who dat? The Lions were not dat, but maybe the uh, Chargers will be. I've never seen a guy get so excited about beating Matt Patricia. That's pitiful. That's pathetic.
1: Drew Brees is back, baby. It's
0: Matt Patricia, bro. It's Matt Patricia.
1: Some would say beating a 1-2 team is, is better than beating a 2-1 team.
0: Some would say, although the ultimate is beating a 4-0 team. If the Titans could do that this weekend coming off the Rona, you guys, uh, if you don't like the Titans, you might not want to listen next week. If we're able to overcome the <laughs> Rona and be an undefeated 4-0 Josh Allen, everyone's darling. Just, just monitor. Just keep an eye on that. It's one to watch. Did you win your bet last week? Um... Which I don't, oh, no, no, I don't think they covered. You took the Dolphins, right? Yeah, I think they were minus nine. plus seven. What are you talking about?
1: Plus, that's what I meant. I always do that. I meant to say plus. I know,
0: seven. Well, if it's nine, you covered, but I think it was seven, and I don't think you covered. No, I I didn't, and I lost a lot
1: this weekend, so I'm not, I I didn't even want to go back and look.
0: Okay, sorry for you being a loser. I got I got I got really hurt yesterday too from the Monday Night Football doubleheader, but shout out to the Braves for getting it all back.
1: Woo! big win today for the Bravos. And as my good friend Big Sean says, you win some, you lose some. I heard that my whole life. Win some and
0: lose some. I do like looking ahead, uh, you know. Actually I, I undersold one of the games from week five. I'm actually really interested and intrigued in what happens in Colts Browns. Two three and one teams. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. i lean towards Browns plus two right now, if you want to pick from me. Browns plus two seems like a good bet.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, with the way they look, um, I, I do like the Colts. Their offensive line gives Phillip Rivers a lot to work he with. He still just but. makes
0: some really shitty throws, though.
1: Yeah, he does. He does. I mean, he's still Philip Rivers. You 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 can't you can take him out of San Diego and Los Angeles or wherever you want to take him, but he's still going to be Philip Rivers. Um, so that that's a good one. And hey, Raiders Chiefs might not be too bad yeah, either.
0: Yeah, Andy Reid dominates that division. He's not going to lose that division. A, a division game. He he has like some ridiculous record. I'll have to look it up. Uh, it's something crazy like seventeen and one his last eighteen or something like that in that division. Uh, Patrick Mahomes ain't losing to Derek Carr. That's just not happening. But. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the Colts' defense has been pretty good. I want to see if they can stop that Browns attack, which is crazy because their offense is actually pretty good. All right, Corey, talk talk to you next week. All right, John.
1: See you, buddy.